Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hello and welcome back to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One. Welcome to Season 8, Episode 401. It is January 2nd, 2023. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year to you, Mr. Hamilton. For, for those of you not watching on the uh, the YouTube uh, live stream, it's uh, Mark Daly and Mr. Mark Hamilton here to kick off a brand new, well, it's not really a brand new Formula One season just yet, but a new season of this podcast because we roll it over on January 1st each year. And that's uh, kind of crazy to think that season eight, Mr. Hamilton, over 100 episodes in 2022 alone. I'm already out of breath and we haven't even been into the show for more than a couple of minutes, but how was your holidays, my friend? Oh, my friend. And can you tell it's been a little while since you and I've been on a podcast? I, I'm a little bit rusty. There's some cobwebs here. I feel, oh, totally, like, totally. I feel like I'm not as articulate as I would normally be, but holidays were really, really good, man. We, we kind of stayed close to home this year. We saw my parents for a little bit. Sarah had a ton of people over on Christmas Day for a, for a kind of a hybrid Christmas, Christmas lunch slash Christmas dinner. We're big oh, on nice. the turkey. Like that, that's even if the sides are all from different places in the world, we always focus on that that turkey. But it was good, and then we had a really great Boxing Day. We went downtown, we did some shopping, had a lot of fun. Oh, fun. But it was good. I I was pretty miserable for part of it because I got really sick a couple of weeks ago, and then I got sick again on on Christmas Day. But again, Christmas when you have young kids, and you know this, yep. it's all about the young kids and creating a great atmosphere, great experience for them. And I think we were able to do that. And my little guy right now is obsessed with basketball in the only. Only thing he wanted for Christmas this year was a basketball, and oh, cool. Santa brought a one. So now he has about seventeen basketballs. The house are full of them. We've got <laughs> small basketball hoops in every room of the house. But we we also bought him tickets to see the Portland Trailblazers on January twenty eighth. So we're going to do that drive. And for anyone that's wow, kind of interested, cool. Seattle's about two hours south of us, and Portland's about four and a half, five hours south. So yep. we're going to drive down and see a. a uh, a Trailblazers game, but yeah, excited about that. My friend, you and I haven't spoken in weeks. You've been busy. I've been busy. We've been working on some stuff, getting ready for 2023. The f- episode 400 kind of quietly came and went, but how was your holidays? It was really good. I haven't been to work in over two weeks now, so I get like everybody else uh, that uh, took time off over the holiday period. It's it's back to normal here pretty darn quick, but it was nice. We uh, usually uh, do something, but but this time, uh, much like yourself, we, we stuck uh, close to home. We did a bunch of things with the kids. We did a bunch of things uh, with, with the family. We had a bunch of uh, the family over on Christmas Day, which was fun. And much uh, like yourself, you know, we have like a centerpiece dish and then just anything else around it is just whatever. But it's kind of cool because there's a real kind of like, you know, international flavor to my family. So that's uh, always uh, good fun. And then, yeah, man, Boxing Day, we didn't do anything on Boxing Day. Like 
it, it was such a hectic run up to Christmas Day itself that come Boxing Day, I was just like, you know what? I'm good just to sit here and do nothing all day. And then ever since we've been kind of like running around and then the last uh, couple of days just sort of been finishing up some little odd jobs around the house and just going to be doing some tidying up uh, this afternoon and and getting ready to go back to, to reality tomorrow, which... Yeah, I don't know if I'm really 100% yeah. ready for, but you know, <laughs> it, it I guess the, the the flip side of having all this fun at these sort of holiday periods at the this time or like at any time of the year is that if you take the time off that it, it is the fact that they are so fleeting and so short throughout the year that when they come and go, they just mean uh, that little bit extra. So it's it, it's been good, but also kind of looking forward to going back uh, to the normal the nor- normal schedule if you want to call it that uh, starting tomorrow with a bunch of really cool things uh, coming up uh, you know for me in the weeks and months ahead as for yourself and this is one of them and uh yeah so do we, do we jump into this thing now because i i don't know if i'm 100 ready but you know that's never stopped us uh, before <laughs> so i'm just trying to remember how do we do this yeah, there was uh, well, there was one thing uh, that I think we wanted just to address to uh, around, you know, just around the uh, the advertisements uh, for the show. So we're, we're signed up with an advertising partner, and we do set our preferences. But every once in a while, some squeak through that are not really intended because we just try to like stick to some very right, generic right. stuff. So it was brought to our attention that there were some politically themed ads that have been aired. And there, there are some advertisers that, uh, that come to us directly that we, we screen and we, we decide, yeah, that's that, that would be a good fit for us. And then there's these ones that are called like network ads. And then we can go through and set like our preferences and anything that uh, could be even the slightest bit controversial and, you know, politically uh, or anything that has like sort of any political affiliations to it. We opted out of that a long time ago. So I don't know how these ones uh, kind of squeak through because I would rather like take no money rather than have something yeah, 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 you know yeah. that 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 the people don't like hearing cuz totally. we're not we're not here just to blindly take money from from anyone so that'll take a little bit of investigation our uh, on our behalf because it should only be things like I don't know. I think there's we've got one for a health supplement. We've done some video games yep. and some <laughs> auto parts and and, and, and stuff like that. But I know every once in a while these ones squeak through and then I go and look through and somehow they manage to tag them in a different way. So thanks for all of you that let us know that. We we apologize if there's anything that came through because that certainly wasn't our intention. And we'll do a little bit of investigation and tweaking on our side to make sure that this show is as vanilla and as bland, as unoffensive <laughs> as, as possible, because certainly the only thing we want to be talking about on the show is what happens in the world of Formula One, not some of the stuff uh, in between. So, Hammy, you've been busy as well. You dropped, uh, dropped a really cool uh, interview just over the holiday week there with uh, Ed Spencer. You got another one coming up from Planet F1 Sam Cooper coming up. And that's going to be the first uh, of the interview series uh, this year for 2023. And I've got a change in my work life and schedule coming up. So I'm hoping that I'm going to be able to jump and do some of these myself uh, this year because you've done a fantastic job. I'm going to hold you to that. I'm going to hold you to that, I'm going to try as best I can because you've done a fantastic job last year. And I've enjoyed each and every one of the guests that uh, you've interviewed. And it's really wanted me to, it inspired me to try and do, uh, do the same. And we've got uh, some big news. Season 5, Netflix Drive to Survive, dropping on February 24th. 
So just a little bit over a month and a half from now, 53 days uh, from the the time of this uh, recording, we're going to be doing a uh, reaction podcast with our good friend uh, Seth Whiteberg, which uh, we did. Uh, we just re-released that show over the um, the holiday break. So Seth is an awesome guy. It was a great guest. Can't wait to, to do that. And in addition to that, the first Grand Prix is only 62 days away. So we're going to have a, a season that's going to feature three world champions, six new driver pairings, three rookies, 15 or drivers from 15 different nationalities and one new race in Vegas. I'm, I'm already excited. This is this is great stuff, Hammy. 2023 should be amazing. I I can't believe that the pack will separate more than it did in the back half of last year. I think a lot of teams kind of wrote off the, the championship pretty early, Williams being one of them. We'll talk to that in a couple of minutes. But I, I feel like there's a lot of things that are going to come together to ensure that this is going to be a great, great championship. And I'm excited for it. I'm excited for the rookies. I'm excited for the new driver pairings. Um, obviously, I'm excited to see how how Vegas looks on TV. I'll never be able to afford to go, but I'm, I'm totally cool just seeing it on a late night Saturday TV broadcast, but there's lots of reasons to be excited. And again, in the next 60 days, the next two months, we're going to have 10 teams unveil their cars. We're going to have winter testing and we're going to be in Bahrain for the season opener. So there's an awful lot of Formula One that's going to go down in the next 60 days, my friend, and it's going to go by in an instant. Mark my words. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And the the cool thing is that it doesn't really take too long before the re- the, the season really gets uh, really really dialed up and ready to go, uh, because uh, we we kind of think that this kind of period of December and January is kind of a bit of a dead period, and it's sort of, excuse me, it sort of kind of is. But then once you hit with uh, February and you get like all these big launch parties and things like that, because it's usually and there, there's no real rhyme or reason to how they do these uh, the, these car releases and these launches. But it always seems as the smaller teams go first and kind of get everybody excited. And it's just like, oh, I can't wait till Ferrari or Red Bull or, or Mercedes do their launch. So that's only going to happen just over a month from now. You usually Valentine's Day, that that middle ish period period of February is when that usually starts to kick off and you know there are three that have already been announced there's three already I, announced. I actually go- uh, oh my god I was quietly googling this in the background so I did not know this but according to f1.com yep. Alpha Tauri is going to go first February 11th there you go followed by Aston Martin on February 13th and uh Ferrari on February 14th Alpha Tauri is going to unveil in New York Aston Martin's going to unveil at their sexy new factory in Silverstone and Ferrari has yet to announce where they're going to be unveiling but uh like you said right around that Valentine's date yeah oh, wow that's great I mean uh that that's funny. That uh, some like sometimes the big teams they don't they or well maybe not necessarily limited to, to the to the big teams, but sometimes the, some of them they, it's just like to be confirmed or whatever it, uh, whatever it is. And all of a sudden it seems like it comes together in a hurry. And I'm sure there will be a, a couple of them uh, like that. Cool. Well, that's that's great news. I'm excited about that uh, already. Okay, so we got some uh, listener questions. First of all, Jennifer in Glasgow, Scotland. Happy New Year, gents. Did any of you re- uh, receive any great F? related gifts to brighten your holidays did you give any great f1 related gifts thanks for a great show keep up the the great work so i didn't said this year but i'm still working on the uh the lego what is it speed champions mercedes set that i got uh, last summer from the uh the the lego store in in ottawa this is a set that's only about 40 or 50 dollars it's got i guess i guess it's last year's um i guess it's the w12 and then the 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 mercedes uh you know the f1 hypercar road car 
So I started building that with my son and then he kind of lost interest. So it's sitting here. The box is sitting next to me on the desk. And that's one of the things I said I was going to do before the holiday is over. So I guess as soon as I finish, you know, cutting this show and, and, and throwing it into the feed, then I'm going to have to put it together really quickly to, to beat my end of the, uh, you know, winter holidays, <laughs> you know, self-imposed deadline. How about you, Hammy? Did you give or receive anything this year? So I, I bought something for myself. So up here in Canada, and of course, I think in, in New Zealand and in Australia, in the UK, of course, we have uh, Boxing Day on the 26th of December. And Boxing Day is typically, a, well, Boxing Week is a huge week for retailers. People rush into the stores. This, it's kind of like Black Friday, Black Friday weekend in the US, but yes. maybe even amplified beyond that. Like it's huge. It's it's funny because in the States, stores completely die out come December 26th. And here they just ramp up right yep. through the end of that week. Yep. So we went to uh, Chapters Indigo, which is our big national bookseller retail chain. And for members, they had a sale that was 40% off of all hardcover books oh, wow. in store. And cool. one of my New Year's resolutions this year was I wanted to start reading. So I was I was kind of grabbing this basket full of basketball uh, books because I wanted to kind of read some of these books I've been eyeballing for a while. But when I was in our local store, I saw, and, I've, and shamefully, I've never read this, but Adrian Newey's How to Build a Car was there. His big, heavy, bulky, nice. hardcover version wow. that had clearly been sitting on the shelf for a couple of years. So <laughs> I grabbed that. So I'm excited to I'm excited to dive cool. into that. But that was kind of my F1 theme. Didn't get anything for my son this year because like I said earlier, he's just obsessed with basketball. So all of his yeah. gifts were kind of basketball nice. theme. But I, I, I added something for myself in that Adrian Newey book, that, but that, great question. Good for you. Like uh, myself, I'm a prolific reader. Anytime that I get uh, an opportunity to sit down and read, I read. I always take, uh, like I've got an e-reader that I just throw into my bag. So oh, that's awesome. I always have something to read, even if it's for, for 15 or 20 minutes on a lunch break, or if I'm sitting waiting for the kids, if they're at practice or... You know, whatever the case may be, then I've got uh, something something to do. And yeah, I, I just, uh, I can't get enough of it. So, you know. My, my goal this year, man, is I was, I realized this, it, it, it occurred to me as the year went on, I spent so much time last year just doom scrolling mm. through social media, especially when I would sit and I'd go to bed and I'd sit there for an hour and a half, two hours, just doom scrolling. So yeah, what I want to yeah. be able to do is what you do is make that time more productive. So I've got this stack of books next to my bed and hopefully by the end of the year, I'll have worked my way through all of them and, and given my eyeballs a rest when it comes to scrolling through some kind of meaningless social media stuff. Well, you, I'm sure you can see just over my shoulder in the back is the bookcase, oh, which yeah. is now completely full. And I received a couple more books over the, uh, the, the, the holiday break, which uh, I'm looking forward to uh, getting, uh, getting into, including one, I think it's called America's Game. Oh, yeah, it's uh, just uh, I'll hold it up here. This is one from uh, my brother. America's Game, the epic story of how pro football captured a nation by Michael McCambridge. I'll just uh, hold, the, hold that up there. I know we got a, a bunch of uh, football fans uh, and there's a question here from Raymond in Nashville, which we'll get to a, a, in a moment. So, yeah, that's uh, that was from my brother. So that's that's definitely one I want to read about. Awesome book. Uh, start awesome reading. Book. Yeah, oh, I mean. I, you know, as much as I love this time of year when it comes to uh, the NFL uh, and and also you got like all the college bowl games coming up here pretty quick as well, all the big ones, it's I, I always have like a little bit, I wouldn't say dread, but it's, I always find it a little bit anti anticlimactic because I, I love like Sundays and Saturdays and Thursday nights. I mean, like the NFL schedules just expanded and of course they added the extra week in there a couple, you know, not so long ago. And when it comes to the playoffs, playoffs are great. 
But then you know that the Super Bowl is around the corner, which the Super Bowl is always great. But then you realize Super Bowl means no more football until the, uh, the, the summer. So I always find a little bit of a, a catch 22. Anyways, uh, next uh, emails from Layla and Riyadh in Saudi Arabia. So checking in from the kingdom, Saudi Arabia. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well, Layla. My friend recommended your show in 2021 and is my favorite F1 podcast. I love that you keep doing new things and creating new content. Do you have any big plans for 2023? Do you plan to attend any races? If you come to Jeddah, I will take you for a Kabsa. Thank you for reading my email. So I know we're still in the uh, the preliminary planning stage, stages. planning stages. Planning stages. We, we, <laughs> the one thing that we've been horrible at is that we, we dropped all the money to get a get a website up and running. And it's just sort of sat dormant there for the past, what, about three or four months. So that's one of the things in the uh, in the works for this year. And well, that's on both of us, uh, Mark. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, just yeah, I mean, I don't think there's going to be any races on the cards for us this year. Just kind of like, unfortunately, I'm just kind of like looking at uh, like the family schedule and things like that. So a little bit difficult, uh, you know, when we've got like, the, you know, three kids in school and my wife's work schedule and my work schedule. So I know that uh, it'd be wonderful to to get to one of the North American races and we have a whole, you know, you know, whole menu of North American races to to choose from nowadays but uh, sadly for me it looks like it's not going to happen this year I don't know about you Hammy but uh, you know hope hope springs eternal again not saying not saying no certainly not shutting down opportunities but I think the inflationary <clears throat> pressures that that I'm feeling and I'm sure you're feeling oh, whether yeah. it's property taxes or car insurance or your gas bills they are just mind-bogglingly crazy this year and and I just I feel like our cost of living is such now that those kind of that discretionary spending that we may have had two or three years ago certainly pre-covid where hey yeah we'll sign up to a formula one race let's go here yeah uh, yep. even though even though our income has grown, the cost of living has grown exponentially more that it kind of erodes our ability to do things like that. So again, hopefully, like I, I would love to do something, not saying no, but I don't think it's a slam dunk. And in terms of plans for the year, you and I were just a couple of days ago talking about the fact that we want to have a nice in-person planning session and kind of strategize what we want to accomplish for this year. Because last year was a blockbuster, blockbuster year for the show. We did almost double the downloads that we did in 2021, huge uh, which was which was huge for us. Yep. And you and I had quietly had a targeted a number that we wanted to be able to achieve from a downloads perspective. And we, we smashed that with a couple of weeks to go in the calendar. But I think looking at 2023, unless there's a really great championship, it might be hard for us to hit that if we just come and do our weekly Sunday and Thursday show. So uh, I think you and I want to plan to be able to do some great stuff. And I'm excited that obviously you've got some changes going on in your world that might uh, facilitate uh, you be able, able to do some cool stuff as well so so yeah but great great question yeah absolutely so uh we'll keep you guys uh posted as uh you know mark and i decide or figure out what uh, the road ahead looks like a uh, pun fully intended here so last question is from Raymond in Nashville, and that kind of just ties into the uh, the, the, the book that I just uh, shared with you. Uh, question for daily who is your prediction for Super Bowl champion and why Oh my God, that is uh, that is a difficult question. Uh, you know, I want to you know, personally. I want to see a rematch between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. That fourth quarter and the end of that game last year, 
I think was some of the best football that I ever saw in my life, watching two quarterbacks like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes going at it. I mean, this throwing haymakers at each other to use, you know, coin a hockey uh, phrase. I mean, just going at it. And that was just some exciting football. So I hope we see at some ro- point during the, the, the playoffs that we see the, the Chiefs and the Bills collide at some point. I don't know if it, it'll work out that way. Two very, very exciting teams, uh, two explosive offsen- uh, offenses worth uh, watching. Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrows, that uh, is also a, a very interesting team uh, to, to watch in the uh, the AFC. Then I I don't know about the AFC South. I mean, you look at the Jags and the Titans. I mean, the Jags are leaving that division and they're they're only uh, you know eight and eight. So who knows? Um, you know. And then you look over on the uh, the uh, the NFC. You look at the NFC East. You got the uh, the Eagles, the Cowboys, and the Giants got into the uh, made the postseason that just this uh, past uh, weekend. That's a pretty tough division. I mean, Eagles are thirteen and three. Cowboys are twelve and four. Giants are nine and six, and you got Washington who are seven and eight. I mean, that's <laughs> that's a tough, tough division to play in. Look in the NFC North. I mean, the Vikings have been strong all season long, twelve and four currently. And then over in the NFC West, which is a uh, you know a, a division that I watch quite closely uh, because you know Seattle and the Seahawks are only two hours down the road. You got the the Forty ers leading that division at twelve and four, and they had like basically on the very first snap on offense, you had uh, you know young hot prospect uh, Trey Lance, season ending in- injury, literally from the first play on uh, on the season. Jimmy Garoppolo comes back in. He does a great job for, for, for that team. And then a couple of weeks ago, he gets knocked out with the season uh, ending uh, injury. And they bring in the rookie quarterback, Proc Purdy. I think he's won now, what, four games, three games or four games in a row. So there's certainly uh, a team to watch. And then the NFC South, which is kind of like the, ugh, my goodness, what a division that is. You got the Bucks, T-Bay leading uh, that division at eight and eight. Then you got the Saints at seven, and nine and the Panthers and the Falcons at six and ten. And the thing is, I mean, you got uh, the, the Bucks at eight and eight. I mean, obviously leading that division. And you got Tom Brady as quarterback. I mean, Tom Brady, I mean, arguably the GOAT, right? I mean, do you really count that team out? But the thing is, um, are they going to be able to step it up a notch or five uh, for for the playoffs? Does Brady have the uh, supporting cast around them? That's uh, some great uh, questions, and they're all going to be answered in, in a couple of weeks. But yeah, you know, as for, as for Super Bowl, gosh, you know, you know, I, I've always had a soft spot for the 49ers. I'd like to see them there. And then, you know, on the the AFC side, again, I I'm just I'd love to see that rematch. You know, hopefully we'll see it in the uh the AFC championship game between the Bills and the Chiefs. And, you know, I'd like to see either one of those two teams uh, make it to the Super Bowl again. So there you go. Bit of a long-winded answer, but uh, you know, get me talking on Formula One or NFL, and I'm going to go for for, for quite a little <laughs> bit. But Hemi, I think that's a good place. You know, we're already about 20 minutes into it. Let's take a little bit of a, a, a break here. We were talking some football. We were talking holidays. We were talking turkey. So let's just uh, reset for a second here and hopefully have a non-offensive ad uh, break here and come back on the flip side, and we'll actually talk some Formula One. So don't go away, guys. We'll be back in just a moment. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. 
superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, guys. Welcome back. And after 20 minutes of... uh, I don't know, chit-chat? What, what, what do you want to call it? It's sort of warming up, kind of getting back into the groove after a couple of weeks, uh, you know, just uh, relaxing. Let's uh, let's let's kind of ease into it. So, uh, Hammy, as always, you've uh, dug up uh, a couple of really good uh, uh, graphics here. So the first one is percent of total 2022 season points scored in the first 11 of 22 races. So in the first 11, so the first half of the 2022, season. Max Verstappen scored only 46% of his points. So he scored a 208 of 454 points up to the midway point of last year. Charles Leclerc scored 55% of his points, which is 170 of 308. Sergio Perez, Mr. Consistency, scored 50% of his points uh, through the first half of the season and scored obviously the other 50% in the second half. Uh, Carlos, or sorry, uh, George Russell scored 47%. Carla Sainz, 54%. So that's kind of interesting. Ferrari, definitely, you can tell they were front-loaded slightly and uh, scored did uh, did better in the front end of the season than the back end. Lewis Hamilton scored 45% of his points in the first half of the season, so performed slightly better in the second half. Lando Norris, 52%. Esteban Ocon, 57%. Fernando Alonso scored only fifty or sorry thirty six percent of his uh, points in the first half of the season, so obviously had a very strong finish to twenty twenty two. Valtteri Bottas did not do well in the second half of twenty twenty two. He scored ninety four percent of his forty nine points in the first eleven races, and then had a pretty dry spell. Only scored three more in the eleven uh, races to finish off the season. Danny Ricardo scored 46% of his points, Sebastian Vettel 41%. And of course, uh, that uh, excludes a, a couple of races at the beginning of the year when he was sidelined with COVID. And then you have uh, Mick Schumacher, or sorry, Kevin Magnussen scored 88% of his points, Pierre Gasly 70 Lance Stroll scored 17% of his 18 points in the first uh, half of the season. Mick Schumacher got all 100% of his points in the first half of the season. And when he needed to uh, deliver and defend that seat at Haas in the second half of the season, 
did not deliver a single point. So I guess uh, not too shocking. He didn't uh, get his uh, seat just uh, ba- renewed just uh, based on that alone. Uh, Yuki Tsunoda scored 92% of his points. Uh, Joe Guan Yu, 83% of his points. Um, Alex Albon, 75% of his points. And Nick Latifi scored 0% of his massive two points in the first half of 2022. Excuse me. So there you go. Some interesting numbers there. And then on the other side, head-to-head between Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez. Max, 18, uh, qualified his teammate 18-4. to four. His uh, race, then uh, uh, he out-raced him, out-scored him 17-4 to four as well. 15 wins for Max compared to two uh, to Sergio. Seven pulls for Max, one for Sergio. 17 podiums compared to 11 for Sergio. 454 points compared to 305, two DNFs for Max and three for Sergio, but all in all, some extremely massive numbers put up by that duet Red Bull. I mean, what a season they had, eh? And then finally, comparing Lewis Hamilton and the great Ayrton Senna, which is, um, you know, the, his benchmark, his idol, his uh, his role model. So Lewis Hamilton... Uh, for 160 race starts compared to 161 for Senna, he had 40 wins. Senna had 41. Lewis had 49 pulls. Senna had 65. Lewis had 81 podiums. Ayrton had 80. Two championships for Lewis and three for Ayrton Senna. And that comes uh, courtesy of Hawker92 on Reddit. But that's an interesting comp between the two when you sort of like cut them at that uh, that slice after the same point in their career, don't you think? Yeah, totally. 100%. And it was one of the the most interesting kind of visual statistics that I've seen in a while, because I think we we all talk and I think we all acknowledge how great Ayrton Senna was. And we also at the same time acknowledge that, hey, you know, his career was obviously cut a little bit short, but kind of slicing and dicing and doing that comp like, hey, what did their careers look like through 160 races? Well, Ayrton Senna had three championships to two for Lewis. And of course, Lewis has added five titles since then. What, what would have been possible for Senna if not for that uh, disastrous crash at at Imola back in the early 90s, but it speaks to just how exceptional yep. Ayrton Senna was through the first 160 Grand Prix of of his career. Yeah, absolutely. And if you go back and look at some of the cars that uh, that he raced, I mean, that McLaren MP44, MP45, MP46, just absolutely gorgeous and dominant Formula One cars. And among my favorite Formula One cars of uh, all time, and I kind of look back to that uh, point in time. A little bit nostalgically and romantically because I was a kid. I was really getting into Formula One at the time and kind of learning about the sport from my dad. And we'd sit down and I can't remember. It used to be on CBC way back in the day. And I think they had like one hour kind of compressed. It wasn't like the, the race in 30 or whatever they do on uh, on F1 TV Pro. But it, was, it wasn't the full race, uh, at least. And it always seemed like it was uh, edited. But I remember that, uh, that point uh, in, in time very, very fondly. Okay, going over to uh, F1.com, there was a cool article here from uh, Lawrence uh, Barreto, and he's made five bold predictions for 2023, and how many of these are going to come true? First of all, 
I admire Lawrence's uh, boldness in making some of these uh, predictions. <laughs> and I love at the end of that, uh, that, that, that headline is how many of these will come true. But there's some interesting f- food for thought uh, here. And I really like how he's, uh, he's put this together and uh, unpacked it. So let's go down Lawrence Barreto's top five bold predictions for the 2023 Formula One uh, World Championship. So I'll just read them off and then we'll unpack them as uh, we see fit. So number one, Lewis Hamilton will win his eighth driver's title. Number two, Alpine will break into the top three. Number three, Alonso will score at least two podiums. Number four, Lando Norris will win his first Grand Prix. And last, but definitely not least, six teams will win a race in 2023. Now, some very, very interesting uh, food for thought from uh, Lawrence Barreto here. Which one do you want to start with? Should we just start at the top and work our way down? Lewis going to win his eighth driver's title in 2023. Yes or no? I know it's a little bit uh, hard to say, but uh, do you you want to take this one first? Uh, I got my own thoughts on it, uh, Mark. Well, the the evidence is that the Mercedes package was significantly better in the final act of the 2022 championship than it was in the initial uh, the initial kind of phases of, of that that championship, and obviously it kind of culminated in a, a George Russell win in Brazil, a really dominant weekend all around, and I think that. That says a lot about how far the team came, but it also speaks to just how bad that car was early <laughs> on. And we we talk so much about porpoising and the no side pod design and all yep. those different feature features, quote unquote, of the car. But obviously, it's in a fundamentally better place than it was than it was a year ago. I, I think there's going to be some things that will benefit them, which is obviously they've now had an off season to continue to refine and develop that car, but so too have their competition. I, I think maybe, maybe some of the penalties that Red Bull are going to feel as a result of the overspend on the cost cap could start biting into them, particularly in the back half of next season. So if they keep it close early on, anything's possible. But I think this is very bold. And at this point, I would still put my money on Max Verstappen. I would still put my money on Red Bull to win a championship, win two championships. Really, but if Lewis is in a meaningful place to battle for a championship, then he's able to start accumulating race wins once again. Because of course, he wasn't able to in 2022, the first season of his career where he didn't win a race. Uh, I, I think that all of us will be better for it. So I, I, I can only hope for a championship where Lewis and maybe Charles and Max are are fighting for that title. But I'm not particularly confident that's going to be the case. And I, I still believe that Max is going to uh, win this championship. Although it certainly will be much closer than 2022. What do you think? Yeah, again, much like yourself, I think it depends what kind of car does Mercedes give him this year. I mean, I think it was a real disappointment that the W13, I mean, it was a very bold concept that they went with for 2022. I mean, it was that... What do you want to call it? Um, you know, dipping your toe, toes in the pool, you know, somewhat gingerly or just jumping in into the new uh, regulations last year, right? So Mercedes definitely decided to really try something radically different than a lot of the other teams, and it just didn't work out. And the thing is, you sometimes you you don't if if you don't try, you'll never know, right? And the thing is, now you have the cost cap era, so they they couldn't throw money at the problem during the season and make it go away, right? They, they were stuck with what they had, uh, by and large, and there was only so much uh, that they would be able uh, to do with it, not just with the cost cap, but everything else that gets uh, frozen uh, during the season. So they were stuck with uh, that, that car 
for, you know, basically throughout the entire season and could do just little bits here and there to to improve it. But the thing is with the Mercedes in years gone by uh, that, you know, you can't count them out. So they've had the benefit of um, a year now to understand the new regulations. They've had the benefit uh, of having time to develop a new car for this year. So I'm very interested to see what I'm assuming is going to be the W14, see what, how that car is. But uh, again, you know, after looking at, uh, you know, Red Bull and Max and Sergio, what they did last year was very Mercedes-esque. They did last year what, what Lewis and and, and uh, Valtteri and Lewis and Nico or, you know, that uh, had been doing basically for the previous uh, 10 years. I, I just hope that when it comes down to it, Personally, I don't mind who wins the championship. I'm I'm just really disappointed that after we had such an action-packed 2021 that there was no, you know, there there was no follow-up to that. Right for me, it didn't necessarily have to be Lewis v Max, but it would have been great to, especially how it how it ended up in 2021 at Abu Dhabi and you know all that drama. And, uh, you know, the way that 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 race and that season, that championship ended would have been great to, to see that, uh, you know, that that rivalry reignited and go the length and breadth of the season didn't happen. But, you know, we, we were teased a little bit at the beginning of the season to see, you know, Ferrari come out and they, they weren't able to do it. But anyways, long story short, I, I just hope it's a competitive championship. If Lewis manages to win it, I mean. He's been a great driver and a great ambassador for the sport for what almost what 15, 18 years now. I mean, I, I don't remember a time when Lewis wasn't in Formula One. It seems like it was so long ago that if he he breaks that uh, seven uh, seven time world championship that he co shares with uh, with Michael Schumacher. I mean, I you know I wouldn't be upset at that. I'd be thrilled for the guy because I mean he's he's just I mean. Out of everybody out there, I mean, he deserves to break that record and set it, but whether or not he'll do it this year or ever before he decides to hang up the helmet and gloves remains to be seen. Marshall makes a really great point in the live chat, by the way, just in terms of the the competitiveness for that driver's title this year. And he alludes to the fact, I'm just going to quote him here, George and LH are potentially, George and LH are potentially going to take points off each other by being close in pace and Max is going to be the dominant Red Bull fighter. So George and LH will do a great job of accumulating points for a constructor's title, but they will effectively diminish the ability of the other to meaningfully contend for a driver's championship simply because they will be taking points away from one another where that's unlikely to be the case yep. in the Red Bull situation. You just did a great job a couple of minutes ago where you kind of ran down the the competitive balance between the two Red Bull drivers and Max absolutely demolished, absolutely demolished Sergio. And there was never really a question of Sergio taking meaningful points away from his teammate last year simply because they were on a different different playing field in terms of competitiveness. But um, I, I would expect that Max and, and George would be very, very close this coming year, especially if they get a great package from Mercedes and that's that's a it's a great point by Marshall that that could hamper the ability of yep. either one of them to yep. chase meaningfully for a a drivers championship in 2022. 100%. So moving on to the next one Alpine will break into the top 3 in 2022. So the only way that I can honestly see this happening is a Ferrari continue to struggle. I mean, Lawrence does make um, a good point here saying that uh, they did manage to uh, finish P4 in the championship that was uh, had a car that was pretty strong and pretty good um, at, at most of the tracks uh, last year. 
But in order for them to step into the top three, they're going to have to make pretty much a quantum leap forward to to move from the best of the rest into into that elite category that has Mercedes, Red Bull, and uh, and and Ferrari. And for for me, Ferrari would really have to fall off of form. I mean, they were pretty shaky at different times last year for many, many different reason, reasons, both on and off the track, which we've discussed almost ad nauseum <laughs> over the past year. So that uh, that that's a big discussion that uh, I don't think we need to revisit just because we'll be here for a long time rehashing the same sort of ground gone over before. But the thing is, I, I don't see this one happening i see them improving more but i I don't see mercedes losing the plot i don't see red bull losing the plot ferrari for me is the big question mark but you know i I mean we've just seen bonato move away we've seen uh, vasur slide into that uh, big job at uh, marinello the question is how much of a turmoil is there in that team? You know, how good or bad is the car? We, we know that they've got two pretty good drivers. It's just the question is, is, is Vasseur going to be able to, to turn this thing around? And if so, how quickly is he going to be able to do it? And then if, uh, or even if they kind of start the season strongly, how do they compare to Red Bull and Mercedes? And if they don't, how do they compare to to, to Alpine? I don't know. I still think this is a little bit uh, too much of a stretch for me to believe credibly. It- it is, right? Like, in saying Alpine will break into the top three, he's automatically asserting that it's going to displace one of the top three, which yeah. would be Red Bull, Mercedes, or Ferrari. And y- you have to build a crazy business case to think that this is possible. I-, I know a couple of days ago, Jonathan Noble had published a story on motorsport.com indicating that Renault, who of course supplies Alpine with their power units, thinks that a revamped water pump um, should significantly address the catastrophic reliability issues that they had during the 2020 season, which is nice, but I still don't think that that car being fully reliable is necessarily going to enable them to contend reliably week in, week out with Ferrari, Mercedes, and Red Bull. It'll help, but there's still a lot of question marks here. I get both of their drivers and Acon and Gasly have have won a Grand Prix, but at the same time, we've never seen them race together on the same team, and I have every reason to expect fireworks between the two of them because despite the fact that they're both French drivers, there is a long and complicated history between the two of them (laughs) and and that could manifest itself on the tracks at some point this year. So I I think this is a wild take and probably doesn't deserve much more of our time. Yeah. So number three, Fernando Alonso will score two podiums in 2023. Um, I don't know if this is necessarily as like like a wild take as the previous one. I, and and the thing is with Aston Martin, they were an interesting, excuse me, and at times a bit of a frus- excuse me frustrating team to watch uh, last year. But th- there's something there, and I, I just kind of hope that that they're able to keep this program moving forward. And Fernando is an interesting guy, despite being quite advanced chronologically, meaning that he's old <laughs> when it comes to you know to sporting terms. He he's still driving really well, and he's driving really fast. So if the Aston Martin is is a good car, and they're able to build on some of the successes that they had later in the season, and they they had some good performances here and there. They for for me. It was a much better year than the year before, but they're still not where I want to see them, and they're obviously not where they want to be themselves. Now, whether or not 
Fernando's going to be able to extract more out of that team and out of that car. That remains to be seen. Also, some of the internal dynamics. I mean, Lance has been in that team for a couple of years now. I mean, he's fully integrated and knows the team and the car as well. So, you know, maybe it's Lance Stroll scoring podiums for Aston Martin. Should there, you know, should it come to that, right? But I think it's a, a very, very interesting possibility to uh, to consider. What about you, Mark? Yeah, this is an interesting take. And I, I have to give credit to Lawrence Stroll because he's been very clear for a couple of years now that this, uh, this is a project and he never had expectations that this team was going to be contending for championships in 2021, 2022, or 2023. Yeah, but yeah. all that said, I, I think they're mired in, in mediocrity. And I, I'm so happy that he's looking at his investment as a long-term play. And obviously, we got some, we got some previews and some insight into the progress of the factory at Silverstone and all of the work that they're doing there. But I was hugely disappointed with this team last yeah. year, just in terms of what they were able to deliver. 11 points finishes. I think they they had that one P6 finish somewhere during the course of the championship. To suggest that Fernando Alonso is going to be able to come in this year and score a pair of podiums, I think we would all absolutely love to see that. But that, that implies that this team is going to take a quantum leap in terms of the development of this car. And of course, they're already, they're figuratively and literally at a disadvantage because they're a customer team and they need to be able to design the package, that car around the power unit that's being provided by Mercedes. Uh, I I would love to see them competitive and I would love to see them score some podiums, but I don't know what would have changed in the offseason to have enabled them to do that. Yep. I mean, re realistically, it's very, very possible that this team may have written off the 2022 car earlier than maybe we even know and began investing yep. those valuable cap dollars in the 2023 car. So we won't really know until we get to winter testing. I know everything that Alonzo's saying at this point is the right thing. He's very optimistic. He's happy with the car. He's happy with the team. He's happy with the factory. He's happy with the direction of the team. But uh, I still believe his transition was one that he didn't feel he was being respected by the Alpine organization. And, and of course, you and I have talked about this. Lawrence was willing to give him term on that contract and money that he was never going to be able to get out of Alpine. So I don't think he made this change thinking he was going to be in a more competitive car, but that he subscribed to Lawrence's philosophy of a long-term project and that he was able to get the complimentary deal that would enable him to see this through over the course of the next two or three seasons. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, number four, Lando Norris will win his first Grand Prix. Uh, Ooh. You know, I don't think there's any question that Lando Norris is a potential race winner. I, I, I think that uh, our comments on Lando over the years are are pretty well known. We, we think he's a great driver. He's got tons of talent, and he clearly is the heart and soul of that uh, McLaren team. And uh, I, I, I think it's a question of time. They obviously didn't get the car right last year. They had a pretty solid season the year before, but they kind of regressed and just didn't quite measure up in 2022. And I think it, it, it's going to happen. I just, I'm going to have to see how this car is before wanting to agree or disagree with that. I mean, Lando's capable. There's no doubt about it. The only question is, is, is the car going to be good enough? And, you know, it's it's interesting because off the track, there's been some recent changes there. Andrea Seidel left. Now you have Andrea Stello who stepped up as a, the team principal. I mean, on paper, 
and just uh, looking through the window at the MTC from the outside, like we're doing, it looks like a, a logical, seamless, you know, internal promotion, but how that's going to work out for the team for better or the worse, or, you know, no net gain or net loss, you know, that, that, that remains to be seen on paper. Sure. He's absolutely a race winner, whether or not it's going to happen this year. Don't know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then the final one, Six teams will win a race in 2023. So Red Bull, Mercedes, and Ferrari are the uh, the easy ones uh, to pick. And then, um, so the ones that uh, that Lawrence is adding into there is uh, McLaren. And then he's also got Alpine. And then his sixth team, like even you can tell here, he's kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel, kind of like grasping its straws, whatever you want to call it. He says the sixth team is harder to call and will likely come in fortuitous circumstances. Alfa Romeo have a great shot, as do Aston Martin, especially with Alonso behind the wheel, end quote. I just, I, I just want to add on this, that if we did have a championship where six teams managed to score a race victory, I think we could throw our hands up in the air and declare that the new regulations are a massive, massive success. It's happened in the past, yep. but it hasn't happened in a while. Last year, you look, Red Bull obviously won, what, 17 races last Something year? Something like that, yeah. Uh, yep. Ferrari won a handful of races, and Mercedes was able to score that late victory in Brazil thanks to the heroics of George Russell. But if we have a championship where six different teams, six of 10 teams win win a race, that's that's phenomenal and i think we can all be incredibly satisfied and what a championship that would be so hopefully this is one that is true i i'm not confident it's going to happen i certainly think we're going to have more than three teams win a race next year but uh, i think six would be a stretch although if it happened we would all be better for it yeah absolutely but like he says the six team is probably going to win their 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 race in somewhat fortuitous circumstances to use right, the, the, right. the phrase so we're, we're looking at something like the like the craziness we saw at the end of the Russian Grand Prix in 2021, where it rained with like, what was it, five laps to go or whatever. And right. then you got guys going in to change from like, uh, you know, dry tires to wet tires and all the mayhem. And there's usually always a race like that every year. And and sometimes True. it does uh, produce uh, surprising and unexpected winners. I mean, the, the, the top three, those are those are a slam dunk. Anybody would pick Mercedes, Ferrari, and Red Bull to win a race. Those other two, uh, and McLaren and Alpine, I think those are. I, I think those are fair calls. Actually, I, I mean, on their day and on their circumstances, I could see a team like uh, Red Bull, or sorry, uh, pardon me, uh, McLaren uh, Alpine winning a, a, a race. I mean, we saw it at uh, Monza in in twenty twenty one when Ricardo won that race, and they they, they looked great uh, that day. But, you know, that's and the, the fortuitous circumstances, the unpredictability of Formula One sometimes is what makes it uh, so much fun. Anyway, so we're late for a, a break here. We're going to take a, a few moments uh, away to hear a word from our sponsors and we're going to come back. We've got some uh, more news and uh, we'll cover that in just a moment. So don't go away. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Welcome back. So uh, we are taking a look here at some of the news. So um, this one, Mark, I'm a little bit uh, confused about. This is one from autosport.com. This comes from Hayden Cobb, and the headline is Chinese Grand Prix organizers target 2023 F1 calendar return as COVID restrictions ease. Um, I'm a little bit confused here because this one was sort of like canceled there in the midst of like quite a big COVID surge at the moment in the last couple of days. A number of countries around the world have uh, announced that they want to see temporarily at least a negative covid tests for travelers arriving from from mainland china and hong kong and all that is just you know i i just don't know how this one could be pulled off i mean they they've sort of targeted this sort of covid zero the chinese government they seem to have backed away from this now it just it seems like there's so much uncertainty to even be saying that they want to you know, get this race when was it it's supposed to go sometime in april isn't it yeah, mid-April. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one, right? Because the Chinese government took a fundamentally different approach to COVID than really the rest of the world did. And I mean, initially, early on, back in 2020, we'll always remember those lockdowns and those yeah. clampdowns. We were, yeah. were straight to our house. We were lined up outside grocery stores. But as vaccines became more readily available and as herd immunity spread, we relaxed those policies. And we basically went back to life as, as normal. And obviously, I think we take some precautions. And I think instinctively, we're always going to use hand sanitizer more than we did if we go to the doctor's office or the hospital, we may wear a mask where we did before, but life, knock on wood, is back to normal. And the Chinese government took a very different approach, which was this, as you describe, a COVID zero policy, which was harsh, harsh lockdowns. And in China, they haven't been able to create the herd immunity that the rest of the world has experienced. And and furthermore, the, the I would say, success rate of vaccinating the population hasn't been as strong as it has been in other countries. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, the government basically, after some fairly extensive protests across the country decided that they were going to ease the COVID zero policies and basically rip off the Band-Aid and kind of just let it fly. And one of the main reasons that F1 had backed out of going to China this year was because there was some extremely strict quarantining regulations. Mm-hmm. So if any member of the F1 circus was going to go there, they would have to quarantine for, I think it was either seven or 10 days. And Formula One in 2023 simply wasn't about to sign up for that. They were going to have their drivers and mechanics quarantine for seven to 10 days to have a, a race in Shanghai. But now that those COVID kind of quarantining restrictions are being lifted on the 8th, I think the promoter is doing their due diligence and saying, hey, we're open for business again. But like you said, COVID is now surging in a pretty meaningful way there. And I don't think that country is going to be able to achieve herd immunity in the next three, three and a half months. So uh, I, I'm optimistic. I'm excited about eventually being able to go back to China. But I, I think it's, I don't think the timelines are going to help in this case. Now, curiously, the FIA Liberty, they haven't backfilled the Chinese Grand Prix. I think we yeah. were close, or I think we thought we were close to getting an announcement from Turkey or uh, Port of Mao. But uh, at this point, there's going to be that kind of awkward month long gap between Australia and Baku. 
but uh, maybe we do get an announcement in the next couple of weeks that Formula One's going to go to uh, to Shanghai for the first time since 2019. So does that mean that we're going to have to re-release prior episodes like a month into the season, like dive into the archives? <laughs> and here we go. Yeah, here's our previously enjoyed audio podcast for everybody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know, joking aside, <clears throat> like you say that that. Um, that that timeline just it it doesn't seem very long i mean i know we're only jan second right now but uh there's still three and a half four and a half months to get there but it 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 doesn't seem like it you know it, it kind of has like that same sort of feeling that we went through this time last year with that omicron wave they kind of came through in the new year and it kind of really went through it was kind of intense for what about like two months or 90 days and then it kind of eased off and then we had some subsequent ones it it just you know maybe they're going to go through something similar in china but to kind of get to the point where everybody would be comfortable and getting everything to you know to line up properly it just it seems like the time frame is too short who knows but it just seems very strange compared to we, we talked about this one in in one of the 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 last shows we did last year before we kind of backed off on the, uh, the 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 weekly news show over the holiday period where we we were talking about that is like yeah we're going to have a couple of races then we're going to have like basically the entire month of april off before we get back to racing in the beginning of may at baku or wherever it is at that point in the season so we'll watch this one i will i will literally be shocked if this one goes ahead because like you say it just makes so much more sense that if they're you know this one's not going to go ahead call in turkey call in portugal call in call in mugello or one of these other fantastic racetracks that have uh, filled in over the past couple of years if we if we can't go to the shanghai international circuit so we'll see okay uh next one so audi is aiming for formula one wins by 2028 so that is six years from now. They don't have a car. They don't have an engine. They don't have a team. They don't have drivers. They have, well, they've got some things, but, you know, I'm, I'm being a little bit uh, overdramatic uh, considering they are not going to be on the grid until 2026. But even saying that, there is a lot of work for Andreas Seidel, the Audi team, to put this program together to build a power unit, to build a car, to start uh, getting this thing going, even just uh, before they get to the, to the grid in 2026. So basically what they're saying is going to race in 26 and 27, get two years of racing under their belts, learn the car, learn the engine, learn the sport at that point. And by year three of that program in 2028, winning races, it's a great goal to have. It's going to be fun to watch. I don't know if that's going to be possible, but you know, I, I, you know, I, I think they might be able to do it. I, I just, I don't want to say no. I think it might happen. I don't know what you think, Mark. Yeah, I think it's a distinct possibility. And I'm reading here from racefans.net, but Adam Baker, the CEO of Audi Formula Racing, says the manufacturer expects to be competing to wins or competing for wins by its third season of Formula One. Audi, of course, will enter F1 in 2026 as a power unit supplier to Sauber, which of course will become the Audi works team. And he quotes here, and this is what I think is really interesting. It is attractive for Audi to enter 2026 because we decided on it ahead of time. We have 42 months until the first race. In the last 30 years, it must be one of the most advanced decisions of any manufacturer, which is true. In addition, he says, in 2026, a regulatory cycle 
begins when usually others have entered in the middle of a cycle. The power units will change, but also the chassis. In some ways, it can reset the advantage of experienced competitors in the past, and it makes it easier for new builders to be competitive. So you and I talk so much about 2026 being a milestone because we're going to see a massively reworked power unit configuration. But he also makes a great point, Adam Baker here, that we will also see revised chassis for 2026 as well. So the inherent advantage that will have been built up for teams like Mercedes and Ferrari and Red Bull from 2022 to 2025 will be largely reset because we're going to be resetting the the chassis formula as well. So it's uh, it's very, very interesting. But I, I would agree that I think the Audi project would be uh, not a disaster, but I, I certainly think it would be, will have missed the mark if they're not competing for race wins by 2028. All of that said, though, to your point, it's going to be really interesting to see what Andreas Seidel can do with Sauber, because of course, now as the CEO of the Sauber group, he's got to rework what is a team that operates on very much a shoestring budget, tiny factory, tiny facilities. So they've got to build up the capabilities to build a world-class racing car. And they've only got a couple of years to do it. So 42 months, I get it. It's a lot. It's an advanced timeline, but there's a lot of work to be done. But again, Audi has this, the resources that that a typical team wouldn't have. So it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, and I would say that if they're not competing for race wins by 2028, it'll be a disappointment. Yeah. And they do have the, 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 the pedigree in motorsport, right? Just not in Formula One, at least not in uh, right. modern times. But the uh, some of the pictures of the mock-ups that they have, I mean, it's just a sexy-looking mock-up. I mean, it's not even real race cars. So at least from a, from a PR and marketing point of view, they're 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 designing some the, some nice things to look at. But yeah, I mean, if if they don't have success. Um, then it is definitely going to be a, a, a disappointment. But look at um, a, a Mercedes. It took them several years before they got it figured out. And boy, when they got it figured out, there was no looking back. And and that's why I think that the 2022, I mean, maybe to say is an unprecedented disaster might be maybe a little bit uh, too far, maybe a little bit uh, too harsh, but after the bar that they've set since uh, the start of the V6 uh, Turbo Hybrid era back in 2014, it certainly was a massively disappointing uh, season for uh, Mercedes. And I think Audi must be using them as uh, some sort of like model, right? That uh, that they're going to try and uh, emulate uh, going forward and uh, to see if they can be as successful or more successful than their their countrymen. Okay, so Audi is also apparently ready to supply engines to teams if they're required to uh, by the FIA, and uh, that is uh, that is a huge uh, thing. So um, again, uh, Audi's uh, Formula Racing CEO Adam Baker said that they would have facilities in place to work with the FIA uh, needed, and Adam said, "quote We may be required by the FIA to supply engines according to the rules." If that happens, we would be ready for sure. But at the moment, we are not looking for a customer team. It is too early for that. We will focus on our program as a factory, end quote. Certainly, when it comes to Audi, they need to focus on Audi first. But it's, it is interesting that there is this kind of like this parallel track to maybe have the capacity to provide customer engines if required to do so. But kind of just like reading between the lines of what uh, what Adam Baker is saying, that he's like, yeah, we're ready to do so, but 
I hope we don't need to do it. <laughs> that, that's basically my takeaway reading that little uh, little blurb uh, for, from him. Uh, sticking with uh, Audi, they're ready to hire a development uh, driver in uh, 2023 to help uh, with uh, the F1 project. That that would be an interesting job uh, for, for for someone and some you know something really unique. I mean, sure, you wouldn't uh, be getting all the headlines and all the camera time and stuff like that as if you were a driver for an active team on the grid. But that would be an interesting opportunity for 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 someone to get into that program, basically right at the uh, the, the the very start, right. And I just wonder who some of those uh, names might be. Like, 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 what kind of driver? Who would be? Who would be somebody that would uh, you know be suitable for that kind of role? Who, who do you think, Mark? Any names immediately come to mind? It's an interesting. It's an interesting job, right? Because you're you're not necessarily going to be working with Sauber. Because I think the the core responsibility of this individual, at least from 2023 onwards, is going to be based out of Germany, and it's going to be based on working on the power unit. So you're not going to be a test driver for the current Sauber car because that's not beneficial to anyone. Because that car is effectively going to be scrapped and reset for 2026, as we discussed a couple of minutes ago. But it's somebody that's going to be based largely out of Germany. I would expect that it's probably going to be somebody that's competing full-time in a complementary series, yep. maybe Formula E or DTM, or maybe is doing kind of a, a part-time test driver role with another Formula One team. But it's an interesting role. It's also not something that somebody has to sign up for as a long-term commitment, right? Like, hey, I sign up for this for a year, I get some exposure, uh, I, I get some money, and then I, you know what, another opportunity kind of presents itself and I could chase that then. But yeah, I'm not terribly clear who would be interested in this role unless there was a, a bigger commitment to being part of this project long-term. But it also just speaks to the the resources and the 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 assets that Audi are going to put into place to make sure that they're as successful as yep. as possible from the jump. Absolutely. Cool. Uh, moving on to the uh, the next one, uh, Zach Brown, the McLaren CEO, uh, believes that uh, Andreas Seidel's recent uh, departure to join Audi ahead of schedule uh, was not due to uh, uh, shortcomings uh, that McLaren has had uh, in the last year. Uh, he feels that uh, that the transition to Andreas Seidel, or pardon me, uh, Andreas Stella, the uh, uh, as new team principal, is going to be a somewhat uh, uh, seamless, and he said, and this is according to an article written by Luke Murphy on RacingNews365.com. Um, Zach Brown said, "Quote: Absolutely, I don't think we're going to miss a beat. I think that all these uh, racing teams are into a big team effort and should be stronger than any one individual. I think Andrea has tremendous amount of experience and, in many ways, was already leading the team. He runs the race team at the race weekend. He's very well respected by the driver. Uh, driver is very hands-on, very technical." So I'm excited, and I think Andre is going to do a great job, and I don't think we're any weaker. We're just different, end quote. So he goes on to, to say that uh, he, um, he that that uh, Seidel's recent departure for Audi wasn't because of uh, any issues that he had with the team or any performance, and he'd actually given uh, Zach notice that, uh, that he'd be leaving for 2026. However, they decided to spool things up a little bit uh, quicker ahead of schedule, at Audi, and I think that uh, you know it just kind of works out the way that uh, that that it did. I think that I think that um, 
What do you think, Mark? Do you think that uh, McLaren and Brown were wise just to kind of like rip the bandage off and and let uh, let Seidel leave now rather than later? And then just, you know, if there's any, you know, issues that they have with the change in leadership, just deal with it up front rather than down the road somewhere? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I just I wanted to kind of step back a couple of points because as you were speaking, it, it kind of occurred to me that Brown in this story comes across as maybe a little bit defensive. And again, I'll, I'll read that that's that header again, but Brown exclusive, Seidel exit, not due to McLaren shortcomings. But when you think about it, Andreas Seidel's new role really trumps that of Zach Brown in, in, in a pretty meaningful way, right? Like Zach Brown is overseeing the racing project at McLaren and it's a prestigious racing fat team and we all love the MTC and they've got championships in their belt, but this is also a team that's significantly saddled in debt and is also a power unit customer team. They're not a works team. And, and now Seidel is going to Sauber, which is itself currently a customer team to Ferrari, but will transform into a factory works team for Audi over the course of the next two to four years. Yep. In, in a lot of ways, that's a way sexier job than than even Zach Brown's position at, at McLaren. If I was given the choice between the two of them, I'm signing up to that Audi project every day to be part of a factory works team sure. and to be able to develop the power unit um, in conjunction with the chassis. Like that, that's a huge competitive advantage. So I, I think I think in a lot of ways that this was a no-brainer for Seidel. Um, and, and in fact, I, I kind of feel that I would take his current role over Zach Brown's role any day of the week. And of course, things could always transform at, at, uh, at Audi and maybe they become a part of the Volkswagen Auto Group themselves through a Porsche acquisition or maybe Honda acquisition, who knows. But I just feel like Seidel's got a way sexier job and it's a way more elevated responsibility because one, he's going to be responsible for an organization that's developing power units and will presumably also have to be responsible for coordinating relationships with customer teams, which we spoke about a couple of minutes ago. So while that I doubt, while I doubt he necessarily left McLaren because he woke up every day aggrieved because they weren't a works team. The fact that there was an opportunity to lead a works team was one that nobody would have ever been able to resist. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, it's just such a, a unique and rare opportunity to to take a position like that. And I, I, I don't think that uh, anybody else in a similar situation would, uh, would have done uh, any different. So, interesting. It's going to be interesting to watch uh, both of those teams and see how they uh, how they fare. Now, talking about a potential 11th uh, team, uh, and this is one that's kind of been out there for a pretty long time now, um, and Andretti is still talking about uh, getting on the grid for 2024. They feel like uh, Andretti Motorsport has like a good plan to get into the sport. Um, whether or not that happens, I, I don't know whether or not uh, this is... Uh, you know, this is going to be a thing or not, but Mario Andretti was on SoyMotor.com's uh, Twitch channel recently and said that uh, they would plan on having a base of operation in both the UK and another one at Indianapolis. And uh, they've also looked at the the option of buying an existing team, which I don't think is a surprise because was, was that last summer or was it the summer before now? I guess it was in 2021 
wasn't it? When uh, it was uh, rumored that uh, that Andretti Motorsport was going to buy out uh, Sauber for right what was it? What was, it? What was yeah. that like three hundred million dollars or something? Which seemed, I don't think it was even that. I think it was. Yeah. I think it was much small. Was it smaller than, than that? that? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Three three hundred mils kind of like sticks in my mind for some reason, but that seemed seems absurdly low even for you know like a like a bottom end second half of the grid team like Sauber which obviously is now uh, into the process of uh, becoming Audi but interesting that uh, you know Mario Andretti himself is saying that this thing is still looks like it's it, it's going to or they think it's going to happen or they're they're pursuing to see if they can make it happen Man, I don't know I don't it, know if it will or it's not it's such it's to me it's such a frustration and I know a lot of our listeners are emotionally invested in the Andretti group joining the grid and I, I totally get it I totally get it Haas has been a total failure as a representative of the yeah. American motorsports yeah, community yeah, 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 and yeah. I think the sense is that Andretti would do a much better group but the, the reality is a Formula One team could have been had for a song at any point in the last decade leading into 2021 at one yep. point the FIA and Formula 1 couldn't give away new teams on the grid that's how Haas is there to begin with because we were bleeding out teams because the economics of the sport didn't work and he could have joined obviously Williams was available for a song he could have had them at a bargain if he'd invested or if he if he'd had more capital available he could have had Sauber i i find the story to be a little bit grating and i think that the Formula 1 community and when I talk about the community, I'm talking about the other teams have been extraordinarily clear to him about why they don't think he's a good fit. And we'll kind of get to this in a couple of minutes with our next story. But ultimately, the reality is to join the grid, he needs to be able to buy a team or start a team. And there are a ton of associated sunk costs, building the factory, buying intellectual property, uh, agreeing to terms on a customer unit or a customer power unit deal because he's not going to be building his own power units. Like there are some real costs. But in addition to all of that, there's that very minuscule and I know $200 million sounds like a lot but an NBA expansion team right now would probably go for $4 billion but there's that anti-dilution fee that you would pay to the other teams of $200 million and that anti-dilution fee is basically compensation for the fact that if an 11th team joined the grid that that pie that pie of money that the team share now has to go in 11 different ways rather than 10 different ways. So you pay that $200 million up front, but that's only $20 million to each of these teams. Yep. And you would be accruing more than $20 million a year in prize money. So that's not a good deal to the other teams on the grid. And what Total Wolf and what Christian Horner and, and what Matteo Bonato have said all along is that, hey, we're open to the idea of a new team joining the grid, but they need to bring value. They cannot be a drain on our economic income. They need to add significant value to offset what they're going to take in terms of prize money from all of us. And Andretti by itself probably wouldn't do that. Andretti as a works team to a new OEM journey joining the sport would definitely do that. And I just don't think that Andretti's been able to provide a, a financial business case or a financial study that indicates that, hey, we would add financial value to the sport as opposed to just being a drainer on the income that the sport already has. So so while he's optimistic, he'll be on the grid in 2024. I don't think that's realistic in a heartbeat. And he shouldn't be aiming for 2024 anyways. He should be doing the exact same thing that Audi's doing, which is joining when we reset, when we reset the the power unit and the engine yeah. for or the yeah. chassis formula so that that competitive advantage that was built up by the other teams is, is largely reset. That's what he should be doing, but he should be doing everything in his power to entice somebody like Ford or Hyundai into the sport and building yeah. a, a works partnership there. So I get frustrated 
frustrated by this because I'm like, if you really wanted this, where were you in 2016, 2015, 2014, 2018, when there were teams available and there were grid slots available? Now you want to be a part of this because the sport is exploding in popularity. But at any point in the last decade, you could have been involved for a swan. I just think his pathway to joining the sport is is as a as a works partner. Yeah, it, that seems like the the, the, the logical path forward. But that uh, really segues nicely into the next story um, that uh, FIA uh, President uh, Mohammed Ben Suleim uh, said on Twitter uh, earlier this week, "Quote: I have asked my FIA team to look at uh, to look at launching an expression of interest process for prospective teams for the FIA F1 World Championship." So basically, this would be a vetting process, would it not? Because I exactly, I, I'm all for adding teams to the grid only if they're financially stable, if they don't become a drain on the sport. All the things that you just said when talking about like Andretti, and you can just cut and paste any other name into that sentence, just because I don't want to pick on Andretti just uh, needlessly, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I think this is a good idea because, I mean, if you go back far enough, there was a time in Formula One where there was heaps and heaps of teams and you had like a pre-qualifying session just to qualify for 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 the race and there were some teams that rarely even made it out of qualifying to qualify for the race itself i mean these were teams that basically were a bunch of guys in a garage with a car you kind of show up to a race weekend they didn't even really have a realistic shot at making the grid for a Sunday, let alone of scoring any points or a race victory. And I certainly don't want to see the sport to return to that. I think that it's been going in the right direction for the past uh, couple of years. I think that generally speaking, I think that that together, I think that the teams, the FIA, I think, and Liberty Media, the, the commercial rights holder, I think that they've all done a pretty good job to steer this ship in the right direction, go through a pandemic and 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 put down some pretty good foundations to keep the 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 sport in a good place now and for years to come. And and I don't want to see anything upset that. So I, I like this uh, initiative from uh, Ben Suleim and uh, be interested to, to see how it uh, develops. Darn right. And this yeah. is and, and I'll just add, this is what Andretti's always wanted, right? Is he wanted this official bidding process. So now he can come and he can do that financial presentation and that official expression of interest and he can pitch the business case. But what it also does is it says to the world that if there's anybody and sorry, I keep hitting my mic here. I'm so excited <laughs> about this topic. But it, it also says to the rest of the global motorsports community that hey, this is an official vetting process. And if you're interested, interested come and get come and come and line up now i it, it does make me wonder though that i i kind of feel that the fia and liberty have kind of been kicking the andretti expression of interest down the road because feels I that way think, yeah i i think that they thought that maybe there were a couple of other oems that were interested in joining and they were trying to reserve that grid slot for them whether mm. it was some sort of ford Ford Union, Porsche, or or Hyundai, that they were like, hey, look, we're open to kind of adding teams, but if we've got a choice, we want to add a kind of a works team. We want to add an OEM, not not an independent. But maybe that didn't come to fruition, and now they're like, okay, well, if those things aren't going to happen, let's do this official this official expression of interest or whatever they're kind of 
kind of calling it, but yeah. but it'll yeah. be interesting to see who steps up. And again, the other thing here too is there's still no guarantee that you can come to FDFIA to Liberty and you can pitch your bid to join the grid, but there's no guarantee that you're going to get that team. You're going to have that 11th slot on the grid. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Okay, a couple quick uh, stories to, to wrap this one up for show of 2023, season eight, episode 401. And the first of those uh, couple of stories is apparently Williams stopped uh, developing their 2022 car when P10 looked certain. So I'm assuming that was sometime before the start of last season, uh, before we took to the track. And I'm being extremely sarcastic uh, here. But yeah, I guess that kind of makes uh, sense, though, just uh, generally uh, (laughs) speaking that at some point that, uh, you know, and I think a lot of teams uh, do this anyways, just uh, generally speaking, that they come to a a point in the year that they're just going to you know, stop development on the current car and focus on uh, putting it in uh, to the, uh, the the car for the, uh, the the year ahead. But yeah, I mean, as as we saw that uh, that basically that uh, whatever happened was uh, a big reason why a uh, former team principal uh, Yoscapito uh, lost his uh, his job as well as the technical uh, director there. Who I mean, I know it was kind of like. Was it mutual agreement or was it kind of like, we're not going to renew your contract at the end of the year? Because I think his contract was up on December yeah. 31st. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. you know, kind of interpret that the, the, the way it was. So I don't think there's any big shock in that announcement that uh, that they decided to stop uh, developing that car. And the final one, I don't think this is a, a really shocking admission, but uh, Lewis Hamilton, seven-time world champion, uh, was... Uh, did an, uh, a piece for uh, Biltz in uh, Germany. And um, he said that, uh, among other things, that uh, they haven't started uh, talking about uh, um, you know, a new contract at uh, Mercedes. He said that uh, that himself and Toto Wolf have uh, you know indicated a desire, as it were, to continue working uh, together. And then um, Hamilton did, did go on uh, to say, quote, Sometimes you wake up and have this feeling, I don't want to do it anymore. And sometimes you wake up and think, I can still do things, can do other things for the rest of my life. There definitely is more that I want to achieve. It won't be very long time now, but I definitely will stay, end quote. So it makes me kind of wonder, is the next contract that Lewis signs with Mercedes going to be that that final that final contract is that going to be his last one in Formula One? I mean, I'm sure that he will be affiliated with that team, like in some sort of ambassador role, at at the very least for the rest of his life. I mean, I think didn't he just say that a couple of months ago that, uh, or very recently that he feels that he'll be involved with uh, Mercedes in in some capacity for the rest of his life. I think that was basically the the, the quote. But I just kind of wonder, you know, when he he does make that or they make that announcement uh, which I think will happen at some point that uh, that it will be his final contract in Formula One which will be kind of a sad milestone in a way but I mean everybody does kind of walk away from from things at uh, at some point I think that um, I, th- I think we all know that Lewis has lots of other interests away from the track and I wouldn't say that Formula One detracts from that but I, I think at some point Lewis will be like, you know, I, th- I think I've done everything I want to do here and it's it's time to go on explore all these these other areas in my life and where I can make contributions and whatever it might be. Right. So I don't know. 
the way that you're kind of giving me the thumbs up and the uh, and the, and the head nod there. It's like <laughs> we're getting to the end of the show here. The, the I'm only, good. To- the only thing I would add to that is the only thing I would add to that is I, I think he's always going to have significant leverage in those conversations with Total Wolf. Because oh yeah, of course, definitely. Total Wolf owns a third of that team. But the only thing that I think is a disappointment is despite all the money that Lewis has been able to generate through sponsorship and through his contract with this team and the the wealth of money that he's brought to that team through all the championships that he's he's helped them win is I just can't believe they were never able to engineer a pathway to Lewis having some meaningful stake in the ownership of that team. You you say being an ambassador, I think that's very, very true. But this is a guy who owns a small chunk of the Denver Broncos, right? Like <laughs> how hard would it have been at some point for, cut him, in, for right? him to negotiate a, yeah, a cut of this team? To, so, you know, he is concretely a part of Mercedes and, and that, and kind of Mercedes Motorsport for the for the rest of time. I just find that, and there's still time and it could still happen. But I mean, ultimately Toto owns a third of this team and he could have engineered a way in which Lewis could have been cut into that at some point. Um, But again, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's interesting, right? I mean, is it just more of a symbolic gesture to to cut him in as a, as a, as a partial owner whatever that percentage is because i mean clearly he doesn't it, it's not for financial gain or motivation but it, it's it's to me that that stake in the team would be more meaningful rather than just i don't want to say sort of like some you know, brand ambassador role. It's just like, you know, show up at, uh, you know, like at uh, some big car show and sign autographs or something like that, or, you know, be the, the, the person on TV or media or whatever it is. So just to, to me, it'd be like a very meaningful uh, gesture to, to, to cut him in and sort of as a, as a legacy sort of piece. Anyhow, it'll be one to, uh, to, to watch as they, as they, uh, you know, negotiate and see how those terms come out. And maybe even after he retires at some point, um, in the future. Anyways, guys, I think that is a good place to wrap it up uh, for the first show of uh, 2023. We're at that point of the show now where Hammy says what he needs to say, and then I say what I need to say, and then we can sign off. So, Mark- I get it wrong. I get it wrong every time. (laughs) If you like what you hear and you listen on Spotify, we would love if you could give us a five-star review. And if you listen on Apple and you could give us a rating and a review, that means the world to both of us. And if you listen on any other, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I keep hitting my mic. But if you listen (laughs) on any other podcasting platform and there's a mechanism that enables you to give feedback about your experiences with the show, it means the world to both of us. So thank you once again. Happy New Year. And hopefully we can collectively as a community have a great 2023 absolutely and again uh, if you want to get in touch by all means do so send us an email scooterf one pod at gmail.com uh the best way is actually on social media via twitter at scooterf one pod and i hope at some point we'll get the spaces uh, up and running again is spaces still a thing i'm not even sure twitter seems to be changing all the time I think it's a thing, yeah. Yeah, anyways, we're kind of slowly getting back into the groove here for the new season upcoming and look forward to uh, going through uh, this uh, upcoming World uh, uh, World Championship with all of you. And until next time, thank you very much uh, for listening. Have a great week. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye for now.